I'd just like to read one verse in Second Corinthians chapter 4. Well-known verse. Second Corinthians chapter 4 in my Bible, it's page 1392. Verse 6. Because it is the God who spoke that out of darkness a light should shine who has shone in our hearts for the shining forth of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. In this small company, just imagine that each of us is asked to say what our most prized possession is. What possession in our lives is most precious to us. I wonder how honest we would be in answering that question. Those of us who are adults have many material things, property, what's within the property, things that we cherish, perhaps mementos or what's been handed down to us. All these things are material things. Children have things that they treasure as well. Toys, perhaps, or other things. Again, all these things are material. What the gospel does, it focuses our attention on a possession that is far greater than anything material. And that possession is the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. A long time ago, I think it was in 79 AD, a mountain in Italy, which was volcanic, erupted. And from that eruption, Pompeii was completely destroyed a city of, I think it was 15,000 inhabitants, and of these, 2,000 were slain through the eruption. The gas and the ash that erupted and the molten lava poured down the mountainside and covered the whole place and other places round about. Many years later, I think think it was probably 1,500 years later, they started to excavate Pompeii. And during the excavations, they came across many different things, including bodies that were encased in the ash of the mountain. And the bodies had been preserved through all these years. And one of the bodies that they found was that of a woman. And clutching in her hands was her jewellery. It looked as if, despite the warnings and the imminent disaster that was about to overtake the whole city. 
she had located her jewels, spent time locating her jewels and held on to them, although it would cost her her life. You know, oftentimes we put value and regard as precious things that just belong to this time scene. I've said it before, nothing that we have material goes beyond the barrier of death. That blocks everything that is material. I love that old hymn, you know, which goes, I'd rather have Jesus than silver and gold. I'd rather have Jesus than riches untold. And it finishes with, I'd rather have Jesus than anything this world affords today. That's the issue in the gospel. The gospel presents the Lord Jesus as a friend to the sinner, as a friend and Lord to the believer. And what I'm saying about it is that is a possession that's far greater than anything that this world can offer. And so, in a very simple way, all that we have as material things, we thank God for. His providential care and the goodness with which he has enabled us to have material blessings. But the greatest blessing of all is to have a knowledge of Jesus, a knowledge of the Lord Jesus in the heart. Because that possession will not only go through time with you, but it will go into what is beyond time, beyond death. The barrier of death will not cause that possession to be left behind. That possession will go into eternity. And so, what would we rather have? A material thing that can be measured in the world's currency of silver and gold? Or would we rather have a personal knowledge of the Lord Jesus as saviour and friend. Paul here, in this little verse I've read, he, he, he sums it up by saying, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. What is the earthen vessel? The earthen vessel is this body that each one of us has, and someday, you know, that earthen vessel will go to, to go to corruption. It will decay. You want to look at the last chapter of the book of Ecclesiastes. You find the aging process there. And we're all subject to that. These boys, you, 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 they may not think like that. We certainly didn't think like that when we were their age. But if you look at that chapter, you see eyesight going, hearing going, and a whole lot of other things as the moment comes when the silver cord is loosed 
and what was formed in dust by God returns so. And therefore it is important in these lives of ours to have the treasure that Paul speaks of here. They like the idea of treasure, you know. And they, something that is precious, we regard as precious. I know that, if we're honest, we'll all regard material possessions that we have as very precious, and we like them to be preserved. But let us just be aware that there's something far greater. And in the gospel, God focuses our attention on what is greater. And that greatness is centered in his own son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And how do I access that treasure? I access it by coming to know the Lord Jesus, putting my trust in him and seeing what he did for me. And what did he do for me? He came into this world, you know, the very world that divine hands had made. I was looking at the the days and the the creation days in the preacher's room there. You go over them. All the handiwork of God, all brought about by the word of his power. Men may speak about evolution, but God is the creator. And that God, as it says in our first verse, it says, it is the God who spoke that out of darkness light should shine. Think of that scene of darkness before creation. And the first spoken words of Scripture are the divine words. What were they? Let them be light. That was God's words. That's all he said. And there was light. And the darkness was divided into day and into night. And tonight in the gospel, God is using the same words as he speaks to hearts that perhaps are darkened by the weight of sin, the weight of the sinnership. Darkness into which the light of God's love has not yet shone. He speaks and he says, let there be light. And he opens hearts. Our hearts are opened by faith to receive that light. It's a God who spoke that out of darkness light should shine. That is what happened in creation. Who has shone in our hearts. What kind of shining? Not just the authoritative shining of God saying, let there be light, but the shining of his love. And that's what shone in the glad tidings. A a message in the glad tidings that is based on what Christ has accomplished at Calvary's cross. And that mighty work that no one else could do. And there we gaze at the cross and we ponder the darkness that shrouded the earth during these three hours. And out of that darkness, when it was past, the words were spoken, it is finished. God had found in Christ an answer to the sin question and he poured out his judgment on sin. Where? On the head of Jesus. And because he bore it all and exhausted God's judgment, the words could be used, 
It is finished. Work of redemption finished. The blood of Christ that we sung of, a witness to the finished work, a witness to the fact that God was satisfied with what Jesus had done, a witness to the fact that every claim of God's throne had been met. And now, he says, who is shown in our hearts, shown in our hearts. These hearts did nothing to merit it. We could do nothing to merit it. But hearts that were darkened by the influence of our own sins and sin itself, God shone into our hearts. And by the grace of God, there was an answer by faith to the shining. Who is shone in our hearts for the shining forth of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. What a difference when a heart is shone into, is lightened by the love of God shining in. That heart can never be the same again. A heart darkened by sin. It's lit up. It's illuminated by the love of God. It says later on in the Romans, the love of God shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. And that's the result of a heart being opened by faith to receive the message of the glad tidings. Oh, let us just take an inventory of our possessions tonight and weigh them up against the greatest possession of all, the possession of having a link by faith with the Lord Jesus Christ. How precious that becomes. You know, Peter, who was one of the disciples of the Lord Jesus, one of the apostles, when he writes his gospel, his his letters, his two letters, someone has described it that he falls in love with one word, and that word is precious. He speaks of the precious blood of Jesus. The basis of redemption, not corruptible things as silver and gold, but the precious blood of Jesus. And he speaks of a cornerstone that is precious. That's the Lord Jesus. And when he writes his second letter, he speaks of faith that is precious. Whole faith that's centered in Christ, precious. And before he finishes, he speaks about the precious promises that are centered in the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, I would just like to know something of this greater possession, to have a greater value of it. Valuations in this world are all wrong. Things that are so costly, yet there's something that's more costly than it all, and that is the knowledge of the Lord Jesus in the heart, because the cost of that involved that my Saviour died at Calvary's cross, shed his precious blood for me, shed for rebels, 
shed for sinners, shed for me. Can you say that? In the last verse, spoke of it. Precious blood that bringeth us to God. And it finishes with praise and laud. Let there be a fresh outburst of thanksgiving and praise to the God who gave his son, sent him into the world, so loved the world, that's the world of men and women and boys and girls, that he sent him into the world that whoever, whosoever believes on him might not perish, but have life everlasting. These are the valuable things. And you and I come into the whosoever. Nobody's excluded from it, but it requires the action of faith on our part to seize this wonderful possession and come into the joy of trusting and believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. That was my simple message. May God bless it. And may it be a greater treasure in our lives for his name's sake. Amen.